Hello from Bear and Kura, a podcast from the Land of Oz Information Services. I love you, Kura. I love you too, Bear. This is episode 11 of the Bear and Kura podcast. We're going to talk about the coronavirus. How has living through Corona-19 made you feel? I guess um, pretty much every emotion that I think a human being is possibly able to experience. More on the negative side, obviously. Sometimes, most you know, just despair, uh, sadness, uh, empathy, fear. Then, then I guess, you know, you have the good side or you hear the good stories about people surviving and, and making it and that makes you feel better. But it's still just this, I mean, over 800,000 Americans have died. Countless millions have died across the world because of it. I mean, nothing positive, I really don't think. How, how has it made you feel? Well, first I want to say, it sounds like your feelings about coronavirus are mostly negative. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty spot on. I get, I don't know. Yeah. Well, one of the feelings you said was despair. Mm-hmm. Why despair? Just because there's so many people out there that don't, for lack of better phrase, grab the bull and think about the horns and try to get over this. But, I, you know, I don't think, it doesn't matter. I mean, I don't think we're ever going to get over it. I think this is going to just be a part of life as we know it. It's just, I mean, when, okay, when anybody ever dies, it's, it's sad. And then, but in, at this scale, it's even sadder, obviously. Well, I listened to Dr. Carl on the Triple J, which is a podcast from Australia. Yeah, I'm aware of it. And he answers science questions. He pretty much indicated that he thinks coronavirus is a permanent thing, that we're going to have resurgences of it from now on. And like the flu, it's something you'll have to get, you know, a vaccine for every year. Oh, I agree. As it evolves. So it's it's going to be just like the flu, and probably never go away. Yeah, no, I agree. How how has living through the COVID-19 made you feel? I haven't. I'm grateful that I have an occupation that I can work from home with no problems. I am a computer programmer. I can do all of my work pretty much remotely up until... I was laid off from my job. I was doing that. And I was grateful that I had an occupation that I could continue to earn money and work without being exposed. And that's the coronavirus is is kind of a tragedy. So it's difficult for me to say, you know, I'm grateful for it. But I, I guess I'm grateful that it. I'm in a situation where it, it isn't worse for me than it could be. Yeah. I, you can always say, well, it could always be worse. Yeah. I mean, we both, unfortunately, we haven't caught it 
or at least we haven't shown symptoms of it and tested positive for it. Yeah, we, we have never gotten tested, so not getting tested is not the same as not having it. We just don't know. Yeah, yeah. We are both vaxxed. That's helpful. I mean, we like first in line pretty much when we were available. We were able to get it. Um, are you afraid? And what frightened you? I am afraid because neither one of us has health insurance. And if either one of us got it and ended up in the hospital, which is very likely for our situation, it would it would ruin us completely. Uh, I, I suppose medical bankruptcy would be the only only answer. So. Yes, I'm fearful, and I'm what I'm most fearful of is ending up in the hospital. Are you ending up in the hospital? Yeah, that's my biggest fear also. It is a shame that the world's largest industrial country can't provide for its citizens. We're the only industrialized country that doesn't have health care for its citizens, and that, that's, that's just a shame. It's kind of tragic. What has given you comfort and hope at this time? You, my friends, my family. I think trying to keep a positive outlook has helped. Being able to work has helped. But, uh, that, you know, I get nervous about working because I do work with the public. How has being able to work helped? Just to keep my mind off of it. So, you know, because when the pandemic first hit, I did get laid off. And I basically sat at home for months on end and just watched the news. And, you know, it's it's forefront in front of everybody. And when you just see it constantly, day in, day out, it just wears on you. But working, you know, I just don't have the the time to sit and stew and just worry about it and watch the news constantly about it. So that's what's helped. What has given you comfort and hope during this? Probably the thing that's given me the most comfort is the fact that we're together a lot more than we ever were before. We have the time to spend together. And I don't know, when I was in my 20s and 30s, I wouldn't have considered spending time with a loved one you know, to be that valuable, but I do now. Yeah. And also the fact that I'm unemployed, we can spend more time together. We don't have to do expensive things. You know, quite a number of our times together have been like walks in the park. Mm -hmm. So that's something that I, I, don't know that I would have expected to be a benefit that came from this situation. It's there nonetheless. Yeah. What has been the most challenging part of COVID? There's no other way to say this. People can just be terrible. Yeah. Without a doubt. People can be selfish, unreasonable, unwilling to help. I'd say probably the majority of people are doing what they can to help in the COVID crisis. But um, the, ones, the ones that you hear of in the media are the ones who are the loudest, the most obnoxious, 
and I, I think their voices have been raised way out of proportion in previous pandemics, like like the Spanish flu. People, um, you know, they they were they they did self isolate, wore masks, they did everything they could to try and um, you know not not die and not, and not not pass it on. We we can't, in, in, at least in American society, we can't force people to be good. And when you can't force people to be good, they won't be good. For, for some reason, people just don't do the right thing. And it, it's unfortunate that those voices are amplified. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, you have certain media sources that allow it and proliferate it. And I think the previous presidential administration um, sort of lowered the bar for people. Oh, without a doubt, even before the pandemic. He did it. I'm not even going to refer to him as a gentleman, because he's not. Yeah, he lowered the bar long before the pandemic, and then just put icing on the cake with it. It's health is something that shouldn't be politicized. No. But, my God, it always has been. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It, even in the AIDS crisis, people were dying. Nobody knew what AIDS was because the politicians, they didn't want to talk about it. They, I, I think they thought it was a solution to a problem, you know, that we were just going to die away. And health, oh, people should be better than that. They really should. In in other situations, like when there's a hurricane or an earthquake or something, uh, people come out and they help each other. And uh, I haven't seen that much of it in in relation to COVID. Well, really, I mean, you, you I mean, you had all the food banks open up, people helping the service industry keep jobs, I mean, the stuff that they were doing on Broadway for the actors and actresses missing their jobs, even the support. I mean, there was, there has been quite a bit of help. At least I thought there was. Some of the stimulus through the, through the government, waiving um, rent for people. I mean, I, th- I thought there was, but... I, I suppose that's true. Um, I, I should go back to what I originally said, that the terrible people are being amplified. Yeah, yeah. The, the majority of people probably aren't that way. I don't know if you should um, blame politics for that or if you should blame the media for that. Probably a little bit of both. I think, yeah, I think they go hand in hand. What's the toughest part of your days right now? Mm, I, I, they're just, they kind of just run along into each other. I mean, to be honest, I don't think they're that much different than they were before. Uh, I mean, obviously, hygiene, personal hygiene is a little bit different. Obviously, washing hands, masking, and, you know, stuff like that. But, yeah, I I, I don't think it's any tougher than it. um, No, I shouldn't say that. It's just different. I guess now is just the new norm, so I guess I'm just used to it. I don't, I know things have changed, but I couldn't, like, give you a laundry list of what exactly has changed. I guess I've just 
grown accustomed to all the changes that have taken place. What would you say is the best part of your day now? I mean, like I said, like when I, the pandemic first hit, I was laid off. I do, I do love my job. It's the frustrating it could be. I love going to work. Uh, you, obviously, is a huge part of my life, being with you. Uh, I love our time that we do get to spend together uh, and that we do have more time together. I don't know. I guess uh, there's nothing wrong with a steady ship. It, not too many ups and downs. What is the toughest part of your days right now? The toughest part of the day is right after I drop you off from work. I hope that doesn't sound dry. No, that makes me sad. <laughs> it's, I, I suppose, the, the fact that we've been able to spend so much time together makes me more aware of the times when we don't. I'd also say... The the best part of my day is <laughs> when the, the kitties want attention. Hmm. They they make it known when they want you know they, they want you to 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 pet them. And it if if I was working away in an office somewhere and it was was gone all day, I, I wouldn't know about that. Yeah. I, I don't know how they're going to handle it if we had to be gone all day again. I'm sure they would survive, but uh, they have it pretty great right now. They can, they can get attention from us pretty much any time they want. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I think they'll probably be a little upset uh, at first, but they, they seem, you know, they'll, they'll get over it. They'll, I mean, they'll have to. They'll have to, yes. What um what would you say the the biggest way your life has changed because of the pandemic? Well, that would have been working remotely. The company that I worked for did not want to do that, at least not for me and some other people. They they did have uh, they had a lot of people who worked remotely from the start, but um, the the company did not want me and and some of the support people to to work remotely we kind of ended up having a revolt and uh they had changed their mind on that you had to force their hand didn't you pretty much yeah um and the the one guy that they were going to have work remotely pretty much said well you you can't do that you, you know we have the ca the capacity and the, the we have the technology to do it for everyone, so we should do it for everyone. Well, that's fortunate. That's good. But they should have done it from the start like that, and not just you know trying to make the exception for one person. In my opinion, so I'm, I'm happy that you kind of you guys joined forces to do that. So it wasn't like a union action or anything. It was just in the meeting. You know, everyone said. You know what? What's good for one person should be good for us all. And and um, uh, eventually they, well, before the end of the day, they came around on that. Oh, that's good. I think remote work has made my unemployment, my my search for new employment, more difficult. You would think it would make it easier, but it doesn't. The the same work that. 
I apply for doesn't matter where I'm at or where they're at. You know, I, I can do the work, but I'm also competing with programmers like in India who will work far, far less money than, than I can. Those remote jobs are more difficult for me to get. Yeah. Who is someone you can't see right now because of COVID that you really wish you could? Uh, without a doubt, my mother. I know that she lives, you know, clear across the country, but I mean, it's, I think there's been twice now that she's wanting to come out here, but due to the pandemic, she's not comfortable traveling. The very beginning of the pandemic, you know, everything was in lockdown, she couldn't come out, and then uh, she wanted to come out this past summer again, but I had to have surgery on my foot. But yeah, definitely my mother, and well, my family in general. I haven't been able to see my uh, sister and brother-in-law, my niece and nephews, uh, they're in Florida. I think, you know, there's more to it than just the pandemic, but that's just kind of like the icing on the cake, you know, know, the exclamation mark at the end of the sentence. But yeah, without a doubt, them. Uh, I was going to say, even without the pandemic, I don't know that we could afford to visit them. Or necessarily them come visit us. Yeah, I mean, I suppose. But it I, does make one more barrier. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, that's that's who I would say. I mean, I mean, I still have you here, obviously. Uh, my friends here. Obviously, I we I don't go out. I don't socialize nearly as much as I used to. So I mean, and I did that before the pandemic hit. Who is someone you can't see right now because of the COVID uh, pandemic or that you wish you could see? Nobody I can think of. <laughs> most of most of my social activity now is on electronic social media, and I can communicate with those people anytime. It's not like I have friends who who would bail me out of jail, but. There are people I I can converse with, mainly on Twitter. You know, I, I've never met any of those people, so not having, not not being able to see them doesn't make that much difference to me. Yeah. How's the experience different from other historical events you've lived through? Well, I went through the AIDS pandemic, and I I have to remind myself that we still have an AIDS pandemic. AIDS is not a cured disease. It is a a maintenance disease that as long as you can afford the drugs for it, you can sort of hold it at bay for the rest of your life. And there's plenty of people in that situation and that is working. The, The biggest difference I can see between COVID and AIDS is people care about COVID. You know, it's a problem that people are talking about that uh, people want solutions to. Whereas when AIDS first started, nobody wanted to talk about it, especially the politicians. Not even polite society. It, it was, you know, it was those people, people that they thought were, you know, the scourges of the earth already. And it was bad that, People were dying and nobody cared. Yeah. At least with COVID, people care. Yeah. 
How is this experience historically for you? I mean, I didn't have much experience with the the, the AIDS pandemic when it was going on. I, I didn't have really, I mean, you know, I was in the closet, uh, so I didn't, it didn't affect me personally very much. Uh, so this is just kind of new. So I really don't have anything really to compare it to. So, yeah, I mean, sorry for the short answer. It's just, I, I, you know, so this is all new to me, which is, I think that's the majority of the people out there. Because, like you said, a lot of people with the AIDS pandemic, people, if they weren't, like, directly affected by it, they just they didn't even talk about it. So, I mean, that's the big difference between COVID and the AIDS pandemic. People who aren't who don't even have loved ones that are being affected by COVID. They're, they're being affected somehow by it. Where, you know, if you didn't know anybody, you know, AIDS wasn't a communicable disease or, you know, passed through like COVID is. Touch and, you know, breathing in air and stuff like that. So uh, it affects more people. So, I, yeah, I haven't dealt with anything. So I guess it's, this is all kind of new territory. If you could ask anyone from your life, living or dead, for advice on getting through this, who would it be and what would you ask? I've never thought of that. I, I, I really don't know. Sorry not to give you an answer on that. I, I don't know. Kind of just been winging it on, you know, between me and you, winging it. I really don't know who I would ask. I mean, I talk to my mother all the time. But, you know, I don't, like I said, I don't have anything to compare it to. So this is all new territory. Well, if I could go back in time or bring people forward from time, I would want to talk to the survivors of the Spanish flu. The Spanish flu was bad. Every fifth person who got the Spanish flu died. Mm -hmm. And died quickly. People who felt a little bad in the morning, were dead by that afternoon. That's crazy. It could have uh, more than decimated the, the world population. And uh, I'd like to talk to some people who, who coped with that. It happened, it started right here in Kansas. Yeah. They believe it was because um, there were soldiers and pigs that were stationed together in close quarters and the the virus exchanged between them. There was never any cure for the Spanish flu. Nobody knows why it stopped. It, it obviously morphed into something that wasn't as transmissible. And we're just lucky that it wasn't worse than it was. Wow. I would really like to talk to some people who went through that and get their ideas on, on how you stay hopeful in a time where so many people were just dying and, and there was no idea what to do. Yeah. That, that would be an interesting conversation. Oh, definitely, without a doubt. Do you personally know anyone who is at COVID-19? How does it make you feel? The only one who I know personally was a cousin of my mother when her partner died um, this woman came to the funeral 
and uh, she said that she had COVID early, early in the pandemic, and the thing that she noticed the most was she completely lost her sense of smell, and because of that, she didn't really want to eat because you know everything tasted like straw. Mm. That's the only person I personally know. You know, there's tons of celebrities and and whatnot, but that's the only person that I've met in person who had COVID and and knew, you know, that they tested positive for it. How about you? No, I don't know anybody personally who's had it. No one. I mean, I know people who've worked with people who've had it. A good friend of mine back home, he works in a hospital in New York State, and he, you know, he saw firsthand pretty much ground zero of it. And to hear some of the stories that he told, it's pretty tragic. But that's the closest that I've come to it. I now, like I said, I have n- no personal relation to it whatsoever. So I guess I'm very fortunate. I think we're both fortunate in that yeah. respect. It, unlike AIDS, it, it hasn't touched us, you know, personally as much. Yeah, knock on wood. What memory of this time do you think will stay with you? Probably just how things have changed. Social distancing, probably how it was politicized. I think it's it's definitely changed the political landscape on things. I think that's going to be lasting for a long time. Do, um, do you think that you're personally better or worse because of it? I just think I'm more aware. I want to say I'm better or worse. I think I'm just more aware of trying to be more aware of uh, other people's circumstances. Just because you might have it good doesn't mean that everybody does, and that it looks like it, it not looks like it can affect anybody at any time. And so I'm quite aware of that. How about you? The same. I pretty much feel the same about it. Has the experience changed you? Uh, and if so, how? I, I I don't believe in people as much as I used to. There was, um, I'm more cynical about people, I think. You would probably say I've always been cynical about people. They they say that those who look for the worst can generally find it. Yeah. And I think in, in every way, people are worse and more selfish than they were before. From the way they drive down the road, to the way they treat uh, retail workers. In, in every way, people seem to be worse. I, I suppose I can't just blame that on COVID. It, it's it's a time stamp that happened at the same time. Yeah. So perhaps they're not related, but um, at least in a, on a timeline they are. How about you? Has it changed you? I, I don't think so. I think I've already been cynical. I just think people can be trash. Then I try to look at the bright side and think that not everybody is. But I mean, it's. I guess I'm trying to be more aware of other people's circumstances. But yeah, it, it's. It. I don't think it's. Everybody's changed. But like you said, I mean, I, I just don't think. 
there's nothing that just stands completely out. I don't want to delve into deeper things behind it between politics and because of the line can get screwed. It, yeah, I, yeah, I, I, but I, I really don't think it's changed me that much. Uh, I'm, you know, I just try to live my life, like I said before, and, you know, just try to be a good person, a kind person. Hopefully one day I'll be remembered for that. Have um, you learned anything from this experience? It's just patience. Patience is, that's a good one. Patience. That's probably the most thing, you know, the thing that I learned the most. Things will get better. Um, at least I hope so. I'm, I'm an optimist, so I believe they will. You can't really go further down than the bottom, so. <laughs> what have you learned from this experience? I've learned that people can be resilient. People thought, you know, there, there's no way I can get through this. I, I've, I've got to do things. I've got to be with people. I've, the, the restrictions that, that society has put upon us is, is too much. But I, people have adapted, and I guess I should give them more credit for that. Yeah. Well, you're not much of a social person, so I think you probably enjoy the... The solitude? The solitude, yeah. Whereas that drives me nuts. Yeah, I, I don't like being around people in the first place. Yeah. Um, who do you most worry about in your family or circle of friends right now? Very much my mother, because my mother is one of those people who has to be out and about and doing things and being with people. And I, I worry that she will avoid caution the, the way she should, con considering how bad the virus can be. Yeah. Who do you worry the most about? Your mother, without a doubt. She, uh, like you said, she, she, she likes being out about socializing. Um, she's stubborn. But no, yeah, your mother, from the beginning, it was always your mother that I was worried about. And I know that it's affected her quite a bit, too. She, you know, she, I think she went through a depression in the beginning of it because we were under quarantine. But yeah, your mother, hands down, there's not even a close second. If the quarantine ended tomorrow, what's the first thing you'd do? I would go to New Jersey and see my mom. Well, that was a pretty quick <laughs> answer. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> For me, I probably wouldn't do anything different. No, I, I didn't think you would. I really, yeah. But, you know, yeah, I would, I would definitely want to go travel and see her or have her come out here. She's getting older, obviously, so, you know, the time that I can spend with her, I'm going to cherish. That's yeah. true. This has been a really difficult topic for us to talk about. Yeah, that's why I've kind of been quiet during this podcast. Probably the most difficult podcast episode that we've ever done. Mm -hmm. It's not a very, it's not a subject that people want to discuss. It's basically talking about death. True. I've talked about death for a long time. Most of my friends have died from AIDS. And, oh, there is older people, pe people like in a nursing home, 
you know, they they talk about who who's died the, the the most recently. I had situations like that, and I, I'm not anywhere near close to being in a nursing home, but dealing with death has become familiar for me. COVID isn't that much different, I I guess, but it still. Death is still a topic that's, that's difficult to talk about. Of course. And it's not a nice subject to discuss either. But it's inevitable. But when something like this comes along, it happens unexpectedly. And I hate saying that when, you know, people going through a nursing home, they you, you kind of know what is near the end of that paragraph or that story. With a pandemic, it just shortens that story. And it's kind of surprising that people don't take it more seriously. Mm-hmm. I guess we're near the end of the, we're right at the end of the show, so let's try to brighten things up. What is your favorite joke right now? Knock, knock. Who's there? Spell. Spell who? W-H-O. <laughs> See what you did there. <laughs> Probably good. not the best joke I've told ever, but... No. It's pertinent, though, for the time. I suppose so. So I guess we're finished talking for this week. This is Kura. And this is Bear. See you again next week. You have been listening to the Bear and Kura podcast, a production of the Land of Oz Information Services. We can be contacted via email using the address podcast at oz.com. And Oz is spelled A-W-E-S. This show is part of the Pride 48 Network. Find all the best shows under the rainbow at Pride48.com.